Amen. So Luke chapter 1 starts different. In fact, it doesn't start with Jesus really at all. It starts with a priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth who, well, they haven't had any children. And it says that there's this moment that happens that um, as was custom, they would take or draw lots to see which priest would go in and light the incense. All the rest of the priests would stand outside and would pray while the one priest was in lighting incense and, and praying before God closer to the Holy of Holies. So it was, you know, frankly, just some would say luck. I would say God had something to do in these next few moments as Zechariah walks in. It's ordinary, and it says that as he begins to light, he looks over and he sees an angel of God, and it, it makes him afraid. He's fearful, and this angel goes, whoa, 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 don't be afraid. I've got some news for you. You're going to have a son, and his name is going to be John, and he's going to go before the Savior of the world, and he's going to proclaim the greatness of him, and he's going to do it boldly, and Zachariah is just stunned. And he goes, well, here's the problem with that angel. I am old, and my wife is old, past the, the years of having a baby. And the angel says, because you don't believe, you're going to be silent until it does. Zechariah walks out. you got to know these priests are praying, and, and they would have gone, how'd it go? I mean, did you see anything? Did you experience anything? And Zechariah walks out, and they go, how'd it go? And he goes, And they're like, oh, what? And we get this moment for a reason. John would show up. The angel says in the spirit of a prophet from long ago. And he would proclaim the greatness of the one to come. This story is such a pivotal part in the Christmas story because what happens next is influential. If you remember, we started in the first part of this series talking about Jesus' words that God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. And so last week we talked about the angel's moment where the angel appears to Mary and he says, favored woman, God has found favor in you and you will bear the son of the God most high. And she's like, what? Like, I... Do you know how that works, right? And the angel's like, listen, you, you have such a little thing when it comes to God. Like, you got to understand all things are possible with God. Amen. I can move mountains. I, I can stop the waters. And you don't even know the sun that's going to be in you is going to do all those things. And so we get this moment. It says that Mary does something pretty spectacular. So let's look at it together in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. If you have the Pew Bible in front of you, you can grab that or it will be up on the screen for you. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. I want to back you up to verse 39 because it says that Mary sets out and hurries to Judah where she enters whose house? Zacharias. So the man that has heard God speak, move, and do all these things, she's at his house. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt inside her. And it says, immediately Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And there's this moment of clarity the Spirit gives her. Because she exclaims, 
you are the most blessed of women. Your child will be blessed. And how could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Do you catch this moment? No angels visited Elizabeth at this point and said, hey, by the way, Mary's coming and she's pregnant with the Savior. What she does know is in her tummy, all of a sudden John's doing flips. He's like, "Woo! he's here. He's coming to hang out. I wish I was out of the tomb. We could stay up late, swap stories, make s'mores, you know, have some. No, I'm just, that's not what he's saying at all. He doesn't say anything. He's, he's in the tummy. But he's, he's like excited. And, and the Holy Spirit speaks to Elizabeth and goes, in walks the Savior of the world. Amen. And she's just blown away. And Mary has a response that I think is pivotal in the Christmas story. And you may be like, let's just move on to where the sheep and shepherds show up. Let's move on to we three kings from Orient are. Because that's clearly in Scripture, right? Um, And so let's move on, Kyle. I want you to capture the lead-in to Jesus showing up. Because this is what Mary says in response. She's in the middle of Zachariah's house. Elizabeth is just pretty much prophesied over the house because the Holy Spirit spoke through her. And this is what happens in verse 46. My soul proclaims the greatness of my Lord. And my spirit is rejoiced in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on a humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. I want to stop here because I, I want you to capture what Mary's saying. This woman's life is on the line right now. She's pregnant and she's left when she's engaged to a man named Joseph. This doesn't happen. You're not allowed to leave. And she's left pregnant. A lot of things are going wrong for Mary in these moments. And she's gone. If anything, on our human condition side, we would say the Lord has done some pretty bad things to me. Look, I'm pregnant. I'm not married. Look what's going to happen to me now. How is it that Mary would say, the Lord has done great things for me? I want you to capture the end of this passage with me. Verse 50, his mercy is from generation to generation on those that fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and they exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed there about three months. Then she returned home. I I love this part of scripture so much for so many reasons. Because Mary needed that moment with Elizabeth. God ordained it. There is no reason Mary should have gone to see her. No reason on the planet. In fact, if anything, Mary should have stayed home and faced what was coming. That would have been normal. But to leave and to go run to her cousin's house doesn't make any sense. But here she is, pregnant, alone, fearful, and walks into the only place she thinks she may have a chance Let me head to the one guy in the family that's working at the temple and see what he can do for me. And as she walks up, she sees Elizabeth, and Elizabeth goes, you're carrying the Savior, aren't you? And Mary goes, oh, man, yes, I am. 
And then she just blurts out what I believe is probably a pivotal scripture that we should be memorizing today. She starts to say some things that I hope that you'll capture in this moment. The first is this, when we have an experience with God, you will marvel in his greatness. When you have an experience with God, you will marvel in his greatness. So I want to give you a test this morning. Are you ready? Have you experienced God this year? Now I want to give you some understanding of what I'm saying. Because you may say, Kyle, I've never heard the voice of God. Like, if he's going to speak, he's either going to sound like Charlton Heston or something like that. Morgan Freeman, clearly that's the sound of God's voice, right? Um, he's going to have a voice, and I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to be like, ooh, that's soothing. But I want to tell you how I know that I've experienced God's voice. It's in the moments like when I spent time in the Word at my second office down the road. And as I'm driving into work, God continues to speak the Scripture over me. I hear it in my heart, and it, it says something. I, I was telling John last night, it's like last week when we were talking about the name Emmanuel. And I, I heard God say to me as I was driving up the road and I'm turning into the church, God just says, is Emmanuel a good name for me or not? Is God really with us or is he not? How you live your life will determine if that's a good name for me with you or not. And I was like, Lord, thank you for that. Whew, I needed that. Like that, that's passionately pursuing me. Or I come in and I listen to Shane and Shane um, on, on my stereo system when I come into work and Psalm 46 comes on and, and I'm worshiping and I hear God speak to me through that song or uh, I get an email from one of y'all where you're telling me what God did in your life that week and God speaks into me there. One of you tells me about how God's healed you and that speaks to me there. God continuously speaks to me. Has he spoken to you? Okay, so let's test that. Let's test it this morning because I believe that when God speaks into you, your response is to see the greatness of him. So, has God spoken to you? Has he spoken to you through a song, your time in the Bible, maybe a Bible study, maybe a sermon, either here or somewhere else, a life group lesson? Has God spoken to you through your children or your mate? Has God spoken to you through something you saw on television or heard on the radio? If God has spoken to you in one of those ways, raise your hand. Awesome then let's pause and let's thank God for his greatness. Father in heaven, you're a great God. Lord, you don't have to prove anything to us. You've never had to. But God, we're grateful that you continue to speak to us, that you continue to use us, that you continue to mold us into the image of Jesus. And so God, just like Mary, we declare the greatness of you. God, you are a great God to us. Thank you, God, so much for what you continue to do in our lives. Lord, we give you everything, not only our sins and our brokenness, but the leadership of our life. Lord, we want you to be truly Lord of our lives. And so, God, move in these moments as we continue to go through your word. God, thank you that Mary had this moment that we would be reminded, Lord, that you're great. Lord, thank you that you use the broken and the, the mild and the meek and the hurting and the afraid. Lord, that you use everyone in this room, God. You can use their lives for your glory. Lord, thank you that you use me. So God, praise you for what you're going to do at the rest of this time together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God is great, isn't he? 
I believe with all my heart, Mary has this moment. She says, I, I marvel at the greatness of God. And then she says, for he has looked with favor on his humble servant. Mary catches this moment. Remember what the angel says to her? Mary, the Lord has found favor on you. And she's like, I, I don't get it. And he says it again. The Lord has seen favor in you. So now what is Mary saying? Thank God that he has seen favor in me, the humble and the broken. Because Mary gets why Jesus comes to a young, broken girl. Because God was going to break what anyone else would say was great. Because there is none good, what Jesus says, right? Except for God. So he takes the broken, humble Mary, the broken, humble Joseph, the broken, humble Bethlehem, and he says, look what I can do. I can use anything. And frankly, the broken and humble are my favorite. So today, I I just want to encourage you, maybe you're saying, I don't feel like God works in my life. I feel like all the time I'm asking God to do something, but I don't hear anything from him. I'm not being useful for him. And I feel, frankly, like he's not really there all the time. Here's my encouragement to you. Come broken. Let your prayer life be one that comes to the Lord and says, Lord, break me before you so that you can use me the way you want. That's a good Christmas kind of prayer. I encourage you this Christmas to open that box up and take everything you got, the broken and the good, and put it all in and just declare it. God, none of this is equal to the holiness of you. Because I can tell you what's going to happen. He will exchange your broken for his holy. He will exchange your putrescence, that's a good word, for his beauty. That's what God does. It's not a fair trade. It's a holy trade. God thinks so much of the world that he gave his best in exchange for our broken. And he did it even before you were willing to give your broken to him. Because even in our brokenness, God sent his son. It's the beauty of Christmas. He could have sent Jesus to be born in the best Roman places ever, to the most wealthy, to the most affluent, to the most successful people on the planet. God could have come to anyone, but he chose from the very earliest time that he would come in Bethlehem of Judea. A little tiny know-nothing place. People say, well, why didn't he choose Jerusalem? Why didn't he choose Rome? Why didn't he choose this? Because God loves the broken. Because he knows that the broken will search for him. So my kids are are known as kids that are hurt all the time for one reason. I don't buy batteries. You know, everything that you give your kids now has batteries, right? So like at birthday times, I'll buy them something that has batteries. They'll come with batteries. You know, that always have like foreign language on the batteries. You put them in, they work for like two seconds. My kids will come back and say, can you buy me some batteries? And I'll go, yeah. Does it happen? No. And so there's these broken things that need batteries all over the place. We can make a whole wall full of things that need batteries. Maybe you're like that, that you, you, you have all this stuff that needs energy, that needs batteries, that needs some kind of movement, but it's missing it. That's the best that we can offer to God. You could polish yourself up. You could wear the finest of clothing, and it still would not be enough. We have got to have something in us that drives us.
And that has got to be Jesus. It's got to be. And so the beauty of Christmas is the exchanging of your things that no longer work, the broken, the hardship, for the greatness of a Jesus who is perfect and holy and is willing to exchange all that's wrong for all that's eternal. That's the beauty of Christmas. And the most amazing thing is Mary then goes through some absolutes that I believe we need to hear today. She says this from, let's start at verse 50. His mercy is from generation to generation on those that fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. Don't you capture it that finally Mary's starting to get who is inside of her? It's starting to become an understanding that the Savior of the world is growing within her. And the long-awaited Savior that she could only think of her great-grandparents talking about her scrolls read in the temple and brought home to her to hear. This is the only time in Mary's history where she has touched an eternal thought because of her station in life. She wasn't rich. She wasn't a male in her society, so she was pushed down continuously. And in this moment, God comes and he speaks to a, a low, broken woman and says, I'm going to send the Savior through you. Powerful moments. Amazing moments. So when Mary's talking, she's starting to go back and saying, I remember my forefathers talked about a Savior that would come. I remember that my forefathers talked that he would come in a certain way. And I remember that my forefathers said that he would break those that were in tyranny over us and would exalt the lonely. And that Savior is right here. Thank you, God, that you found favor in me. That is a powerful moment from Mary. Can you imagine in this moment, she's still in Elizabeth's household. You imagine what Elizabeth is getting to see in this moment. She's getting to hear the words of Mary proclaimed. And for the first time maybe in their history, two women have hope. Two women see change coming. Isn't it powerful? John and Jesus are in the same room. God's about to change the world. It's powerful to me that Mary has all this moment and that one sentence that just keeps lingering over me time and time again is verse 49. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, his name is holy. Amen. The Lord continues to do great things for us. The Lord continues to show up for us. The Lord continues to do great things even in our midst. Psalms 126 tells us that. It says the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. I got to tell you today, God is, is starting something in your life today. God is starting to break something over in your life today. And it's this, if you will trust Christ, it doesn't matter what your resume looks like or your rap sheet looks like. Jesus can use you. He is never going to abuse you. He is not that kind of God. He wants to show the world what happens when someone gives their life to him and gives them everything over to a Jesus. He can use that mightily. 
and he desires to use you mightily, and he wants to show the world what it looks like when a man steps up and becomes a man of God, when a woman steps up and becomes a woman of God, when a student steps up and becomes a student of God. Because I gotta tell you, today, the world is looking for hope. We placed it in weird places. We placed it in the economy, in our government, in our friendships, in our education, in our pocketbooks. We put it in so many places that we're so diversified in the hope that something will bring us hope, only to know that hope can come in the lowest of manners, to the lowest of people, in the most holy of ways. God can use you. And he wants to. And he wants to make his name known through you. So I want to give you a quick few things as we conclude that you can do to make Jesus' name known. The first is this. Make him your Savior and Lord. The Bible says if you'll invite him into your heart, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. Make him the Savior and Lord of your life. Second, don't be afraid to live out Jesus where you go. I'm so moved by the thought of what would it look like if starting tomorrow morning on Monday, we, we deleted the dread of Monday and we added the greatness of knowing what could happen if we took Jesus with us? What would it look like in our classroom, students, if we showed up and instead of being a part of the ridicule or arguments, we brought Jesus with us? What if we were the leader that God called us to be? What if we were the friend that we were always supposed to be? What if we reached out to the kid that sits with no one? Adults, what if we showed up at work tomorrow with Jesus on our lips? What if we brought the passion of Christ with us tomorrow? What if tonight as you were going to bed, you started the prayer, God, I pray that I'll wake up tomorrow thirsty for you. God, that you would remind me that all of my coworkers, all the people in my carpool, all the people that I show up at work with tomorrow, everyone in my college class, everyone in my homeroom, when I walk in, they're going to be hungry for you. God, let me be a place that they can find that kind of filling. God, use me in that way. Make me passionate for that. My prayer is this, that at the end of Monday, when you go home, that you would say just like Mary, God, thank you that you use the lowly. God, thank you that you used the broken. God, thank you that you used me at all because you were faithful from generation to generation, the promise you gave. And I believe there's a promise that we need to hold on to today that all would come near to Jesus. He would never turn away. So what if you are the hallway this week for someone to come to know Jesus? What if you're the door holder that opens the door for them to walk in? Or if you're the friend that stands next to them as they pray and ask Jesus into their hearts. What if you're that person? And maybe Monday could be that day to declare, thank you, God, that you can use someone like me. My prayer is this. You would start to understand. When it comes to Jesus, no one in this room is lowly. You're all favored. And God loves you so much that he would use your Monday. Let's give him our Sunday so that our Mondays become excellent. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the testimony of Mary. Lord, who saw what you could do with her life and Lord, lived big for you. Lord, she echoes in history for us because she is a favored woman because she would be obedient to you. 
God, I pray in this room that people would begin to see, God, that, that you love them, that you cherish them, that you died for them, that you willingly laid your life down for them. Lord, that you took that life back up, and Lord, that you reign now. Lord, and you reign so that we wouldn't be defeated. Lord, that we would be victorious in you, God. May you move in a mighty way today, God. That we would destroy the lie of Monday, that it needs to be a day of dread. But today, we would just declare our Mondays are the Lord's day. Tuesday is the Lord's day. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and certainly Sundays. There is no day on the calendar that belongs to anybody else but you. So God, help us to live out the calling you've given us. Help us to be passionately driven by Jesus. God, fill us with your spirit so that we would go out and be ambassadors for you. Let us be passionate, God. Only you can do that, Lord. So fill us, God. Lord, and dwell us and lead us, God. We give you the lordship of our lives today and ask that you would lead us mightily, God. 